Thanks so much for the team and the sound guys. You know, so much happens uh, behind the scenes before we get here at 9 o'clock. Yes, Stan, you're so welcome right here. Front row or second row. Don't even give it up for Stan Flowers, everybody. Well done. All welcome. There we go. Look at that. Whole seat to yourself. Killian is nice, I promise. Um, you know, we don't uh, always highlight um, people. I won't mention this person by name, but when I said about people being willing to serve and get stuck in, we actually have somebody who drives from Gweru to come and help with our sound setups every, every other week or so, who just feels this is where I'm supposed to be, and how can I serve? No problem. If I have to leave at 4 in the morning, or 3.30 in the morning, I'll do it just so I can come and serve and help. And so I, I, I won't mention by, by name, but I really am astounded at the level that people are putting in to just honor Jesus with the gifts and abilities. And as I said, that goes to sound guys and band practicing Tuesdays, people doing setups here early. It's amazing. And so if you're sitting going, but, but where can I help? Where can I get stuck in? There are so many opportunities. Please do come and chat to us. So I'm excited to be in Mark 2 uh, at uh, the moment, and we're going to look at, uh, I'm going to title it today, The Supernatural Kingdom. And this is going to be a two-part, so we're going to cover uh, the first introduction, as it were, uh, today, and then we're going to dive even deeper uh, next week as we go into it. But if you missed uh, Mark, it's a beautiful book where we're sort of joining Mark on the journey, this biography of Jesus, and he talks about the life and the ministry of Jesus, all that we can learn through that. So if you missed it, it's up on YouTube or podcast as well. And uh, if you have your Bibles, I'd love you to turn, turn to, I'm looking over there, the blank screen, but maybe we're talking about the supernatural, so it would be amazing if the Holy Spirit just ding, He's failing me at the moment, but it's not high on his priority. So we'll look across there. If you have your Bibles, I'd love you to get to Mark chapter 1. Otherwise, it's going to be there. And if you don't have, this would be my encouragement to you in your personal life. If you don't have a paper Bible, I would encourage you to get one. If you can't afford one, we'll give you one. But if you don't have one, I, I always use a Bible on a screen. I love to use it on a screen. I preach off a screen half the time. But actually, when I'm at home, or um, when, I'm, when I'm really wanting to connect with God. I get out the Bible and I scribble on it. You're allowed to. It's not, uh, Jesus is not going to get angry if you scribble on a Bible. Uh, but, but get a paper Bible. Make notes. Uh, something happens when we, when we read on paper. So just a short encouragement if you, if you haven't done that before. But we'll read this together. Mark chapter 1, verse 29. It'll be there on the screen. And we're going to do it in one whole rung as if it was written. And immediately they left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever and immediately they told him about her. He came, he took her by the hand and lifted her up and the fever left her and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons and the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick and various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed, went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. They found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. He said to them, didn't even answer their question. He just said, let us go on to the next towns that I might preach there also, for that is why I came out. He went through all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand 
and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer your cleansing what Moses commanded for proof to them. But this is the one time everybody disobeyed Jesus. And I don't think he minded hugely because he was on a mission, but everyone disobeyed. Whenever he was like, please be quiet. It's not the time yet. You know, I need to be able to get around and share, you know, who I am. It just says, so he says, please don't do this. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town. And everybody seemed to do this who was healed. Not surprising. We would do the same. But was, he was out in desolate places. The people were coming to him from every quarter. Mark 2. When he re- returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. They came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. When they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts. Why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? You should never say things in your mind when Jesus is around because he knows everything anyway. So uh, whatever we're thinking right now, this moment, he knows exactly what we're thinking. What we thought in the last seven days, he knows. Immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned him within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose, immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all. So that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. So today and next, we're going to look at the supernatural nature of God's kingdom on earth, particularly in the areas of spiritual healing and physical healing. And today I'm going to give some broad brushstrokes to the painting of what that looks like, God's supernatural, uh, supernatural kingdom. And then next week we're going to go deep down into what does this practically look like. We're going to get into the finer details of how we live this out. And so we're going to look at healthy guardrails, expectations for the supernatural. What's our response when we don't see the supernatural, but we really want to, or we expect it? How is God working all the time? And how do we live in the now and not yet? How do we live in this place where God's kingdom is here, but it's only going to be fully here when heaven happens, when there's a new heaven and a new earth. But how do we live in between? We're going to look at all those things. It's important. But let's dive in. First point, the kingdom of God. It's just testing out. It's quite nice, eh? the kingdom. Uh, The kingdom of God is advancing. The kingdom of God is everywhere that the rule and reign of God is seen and is established. It can be seen in our hearts. So the kingdom of God is in our hearts if God's ruling and reigning in our hearts. But we also see his kingdom externally on earth where we see things operating as they are in heaven. It's how he told us to pray. But when we see things on earth happening as they are in heaven, in our marriages and how we raise our kids, in our bodies, in the marketplace, anywhere, we also say his kingdom is there. It's a glimpse of God's perfect world and means of operating as he does in his realm on earth as well. Just as a king would establish his way of operating in the land that he rules, so God, the ultimate king, establishes his kingdom. 
And his kingdom is an eternal kingdom. It's the only eternal kingdom because it bridges the divide between the here and now and the eternal everlasting kingdom. I want us to notice how often Mark says, just in this short passage, we won't go to it, I wrote it down, how often he says immediately. I don't know if you saw this as we were reading it. This is what he says, Mark 1.29. Immediately, he left the synagogue. A bit later, immediately, they told him about her. Next, a bit later, immediately, the leprosy left him. Next one, immediately, Jesus, perceiving in his spirit. Last one, he rose and immediately picked up his bed. I just love how Mark writes it's clear and to the point, which is part of why we're covering it. But he wants us to know, this was on purpose. It wasn't that he was struggling for you know, words to get and he didn't write in English. But he wasn't struggling. He was doing this purposefully. And I believe it's to say that Jesus was on a mission and things happened. Miraculous things happened. Yes, we have to wait at times. But when Jesus is there, what he wants to happen, happens. He changed lives at times that happened instantly, but everything Jesus did was purposeful, it was planned, and it had a significant impact. I think the challenge for me as I was preparing for this is we need to live like time is of the essence. It's easy for us to live like we have all the time in the world. We've got all the time personally, we've got all the time in our marriage, we have all the time in our parenting, we have our whole lives stretched out ahead of us, but we don't know that. And time is of the essence while we're on earth. God lives outside of time. So when we leave this world, we enter a different dimension that's outside of time, that goes on forever. So God bridges these two worlds. But now we live in a dimension where time happens and it has value. I want to challenge each of us that this world is going to end, that God's kingdom is advancing, but that there is work to be done for his kingdom. And I don't want us to waste our lives. I don't want us to, I want us to get to where Tim Keller was to go, there's only upside for me. I've lived my years. I've lived sold out for the king. I've honored the king. I've done everything in my 72 or 73 years. And there's not upside for all eternity. I don't want us to have that other picture, which another great preacher, John Piper said, where he was doing a message or he shared on it. I might've said this in a preach before, but where this old grandpa hobbles down says, does anybody want prayer? And he just hobbles down. And as he hobbles down through the middle, he's just saying under his breath, I wasted it. I wasted it. I wasted it. Came to the front and he was just like, you know, I've, I've just wasted my life living for things that don't matter. How many years do I have left to do it? Don't waste it. That's a challenge from Jesus now. Don't live for what doesn't matter. Let's run the race with perseverance. Let's get our marching boots on. Let's lay down our lives for the king. Let's not get distracted by things that don't matter. Let's not be concerned about secondary things. Let's not raise our children to be concerned about secondary things. If you're a teenager or early 20s here, don't live for what doesn't matter. Give your life to Jesus and for his kingdom now when you're 18, 19. Live sold out for him for the rest of your lives. There is a world that needs an encounter with Jesus. We're part of his plan. He calls us to share that hope. He invites us to join him. And the question is, will we answer and say yes? But time's of the essence. Don't waste it. I love sharing with people getting baptized. We've got some young, some old, some young boys, some older, being obedient to Jesus. Uh, he got baptized. He asked us to get baptized. And I just said to them, this is brilliant. The time is now. Go for it. If any of you haven't been baptized yet, Jesus wants you to. You can sign up at the back. We can chat afterwards. We're going to celebrate together, but get baptized. It'll do something so special and bring you such a courage in your heart. That's the first one. The kingdom is advancing. Second one, supernatural is natural in God's kingdom. Just in this short passage, 
we see the supernatural taking place. A lady has a fever, and it leaves her instantly when Jesus touches her. Jesus healed many who were sick and many who were demon-possessed. There was a man with leprosy, completely restored. There was a paralytic who had his sins forgiven and then was supernaturally healed as well. And this is just a glimpse, which we're going to continue to see through Mark and you see through Scripture. It's a glimpse, all of Jesus' life and ministry, but not only his, we see it through his closest followers, we see it through the early church in Acts and beyond, and the early church witnessed these signs and wonders, and today we see these signs and wonders across the globe. I'm going to speak a little bit more about maybe why we don't see them as much as we would like to, but I can tell you that around the globe, most definitely, these signs and wonders are happening. And so I'll come to this in concerns about the supernatural kingdom. I just want to lay a little bit of a benchmark for us. Because people are searching for the supernatural. Christ follows or not, but just sadly often in the wrong places. So we live in a world where the supernatural is actually often encouraged, but in a weird or dangerous way. Not too long ago on Zimvine, one of the um, groups, I, I think there's now Zimvine too. I made it into the first one, but shame. It hit the limit and some people didn't get into that one. Anyway, uh, in Zimvine, somebody asked, a question. This is going back a few months. And they said, uh, we have a strange feeling of things spiritual in our home that doesn't feel right. Uh, can anybody recommend people who can solve this for us? I was shocked at the hundreds of comments. This is in Zimbabwe, in our suburbs. I was shocked at the number of comments saying, get this person, they're amazing spirit medium. Get this person from Bulawayo, they'll solve it for you straight away. This person does work with crystals, astounding stuff, they'll fix it for you. This person walked around our house, they did some strange stuff with herbs, it was done and sorted. List after list, contact this person, they're a specialist. Contact this person, they're a specialist. That's in Zimbabwe. Hundreds and hundreds of people searching for supernatural help to their problems and many saying that we can offer this help to you. Dangerous, strange, but it's here and people are searching for it. And Zim is a small silo of that. There have also been countless wacky, unbiblical examples of the supernatural in church settings. Very unhelpful, very unbiblical demonstrations of active things of the supernatural, but actually not biblically based at all. So we have these two different things. And for this reason, I would say Christ followers can become either afraid of the supernatural or just shy away from it because of what's been seen and what's been experienced. We may say that we believe in the supernatural, but we aren't really that excited for it. I mean, if we're walking down the road and we've got a limp and suddenly, miraculously, we just start walking normally, um, brilliant, we'll celebrate it. But we're not going to go after the supernatural. If we're blindsided by it without an effort, that's okay. But to actually step out into the supernatural or be eager, we're probably going to hold short. Many of you may feel like that in this room. But I've got news for you. The supernatural comes hand in hand with the kingdom of God. It's impossible to separate the two. The God who created everything we see with the power of his word is a supernatural God. Everything he does is miraculous. Everything that God does is miraculous. Believing there's another realm that contains heaven and hell, if you believe that here today, is supernatural. Believing that there's something, that there's life beyond the grave, we already believe in the supernatural. Believing that Jesus came, lived, died, and rose again is to believe in the supernatural. That's natural to believe in. You cannot be a Christ follower and not believe in the miraculous nature of the kingdom of God. So, 
let's address some concerns that you and I may have when it comes to the supernatural. And we'll cover more of these as well next week. So firstly, you might say, there's been much abuse of the supernatural, so I would rather stay away from it. That might be your stance today. The answer I'd give is to say just because of something happening incorrectly doesn't mean that we should shy away from it happening correctly. Just because there's been an abuse doesn't mean we shouldn't be excited and after something to happen in the correct sense, in a biblical sense. So scripture must be our guide and we must operate as a church in a healthy manner in that way. And so we're expectant. We're excited to see the supernatural happen. But we are going to be doing some guide rails. And as we press into this as a church, there will, of course, be some guides that we do. And there's been a few people every now and then who've had a word from God, a supernatural word. And they've come up and they've, they've chatted and said, hey, Craig, what do you think? I was at a conference. The same thing happened. If God does that to you or you feel him putting something on your heart during a service, come chat to myself, chat to Sarah, one of the leaders, and we'll work out if we, if we think it's right. But, but operate in that. Um, and, and we're open to that during the service. Maybe God gives you a picture or a word and we're worshiping. We don't want to interrupt that and we don't want to disrupt other people who are worshiping and focusing on Jesus in that time. But maybe God gives you a picture for someone. There's an opportunity for you to share that afterwards or come to us. Say, hey, uh, I really felt this. Maybe you want to pray for someone who, who, who's struggling. Physical healing. You want to see that happen. Brilliant. You can get us alongside. We can do that after the service as well. But we want to start to operate in this um, more and more as we go. And we'll give some more guardrails on that. We want to be healthy. We want to be protective. We want to be a church that pursues the supernatural. But we don't want to go off tangent. We don't want to be strange or weird. We don't want to believe that God doesn't work in the supernatural. He does. But there's guardrails in that process. C. Uh, not C. Doesn't mean a Q. Question. I don't know why I see. You might say, I don't see much miraculous stuff happening. So has it just fizzled out over time? There's a lot of people who said there was a condensation of the supernatural that happened when Jesus was here, when the early church was here, the word needed to get out. And now just gradually it's fizzled out so it doesn't actually happen today anymore. That might be your question. The answer I would say is around in our circles, it does seem to happen a bit less than I would expect. But I don't think that's the case in many parts of the world. And I would say that in those contexts, I believe that God's kingdom breaks out supernaturally in a few environments more than other. Three, to be specific. Number one, in places where there is intense persecution. I think the supernatural breaks out in an incredible way in those times because of what people are facing and because of how God's kingdom breaks out as a result. Secondly, I would say that God's kingdom breaks out supernaturally at the point where light and darkness collide the most. In relationship settings that we have where there's Christ followers and non-Christ followers and we step out and say, hey, I'd love to pray for you. And those people don't even believe in Jesus. Maybe you don't believe in Christ now. I think God breaks out in an amazing way because we step out in faith and he uses the supernatural to draw people to himself. But in those sorts of settings, God most definitely breaks out. And third, I'd say it breaks out when we have a deep-seated belief and trust that there is a supernatural kingdom and we're prepared to step out into it regardless of what people might think. When those three things happen, God works in the supernatural in an amazing way. Jesus said to his disciples, you will do more than I do. And the apostles said that the promise of the supernatural was for their children and their children's children and all generations that are far off, which means us. So God works in the miraculous. He wants to do that at Hope Church. He wants to do that in churches across our city. Why? To point people to himself, to demonstrate that his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom.
You might say, but Craig, I had a bad personal experience in the past, and this has affected me deeply. Maybe there was a, a pastor or somebody who gave you a word or who prayed something that was absolutely unbiblical, but it's affected you, and it's affected you terribly. Maybe someone used their authority as a pastor to sort of control you spiritually. Maybe you, you went to someone for healing, but they sort of just prayed, and they said there was a problem with you, and you didn't have enough faith, and they just went crazy like that. And it just actually left you feeling like really down and really upset in that. So maybe you've had a bad experience. My answer to you would firstly be to say, I'm sorry, and that's not God's heart. His heart is never that you feel down and you feel knocked and you feel controlled because of the supernatural. Ask God to help you forgive that situation and to forget. But fix your eyes on Jesus and his word and ask him for a supernatural excitement in a healthy way for his kingdom. You might say a few more, but I really tried and nothing happened. I prayed for someone and nothing happened in the slightest. And because of that, and it was a really awkward moment, I am not going to do it again. God didn't come through I wanted, and I'm just too scared to pray again. My answer to you will say, well, firstly, there's going to be more on this next week. But don't stop believing in the supernatural just because it didn't happen as you planned or as you thought. There's a lady uh, who I've listened to a lot who has seen many, many, many healings in her lifetime. People blind who see. People deaf who hear. Amazing documented miracles over the years and years of her life. And her answer when people ask her this question is, she says, well, sometimes people pray for one person and it doesn't happen and they give up. She says, but when you pray for hundreds of people every single day and God heals one, two, three, or four, you have story after story to excite you for the next day. But she says, most Christ followers around the world, we want instant gratification and we're not prepared to trust ourselves to God and to the situation to God. And so we pray for someone, we get knocked down when it doesn't happen. She's like, I pray for hundreds of people every day. Lots aren't healed, some are healed, but I keep praying for them and I celebrate when they're healed. So it's a great example for each of us in that. We often pray for one and give up. Keep looking to the Lord, keep persevering. Remember the supernatural is a byproduct of having a relationship with Jesus. The friendship with Jesus is priority over pursuing the gifts that Jesus can bring. Next one, it seems Jesus was casting out demons an awful lot. Have demons disappeared today? I mean, you read that there. Every second place he's in, he's casting out demons. Everywhere he goes, he's casting out demons. I don't think the demonic is any less at work today as it was then. I have a theory, may not be a correct theory at all, but I do have one theory as to why we don't see the demonic happening in our Western circles as much, this would be my theory. I would say it's because we have something called mental medicines and psychiatrists. Do I believe that mental medicine to help you with that and psychiatry is wrong? No, I don't. Jesus believed in biblical medicine. There's a huge place for biblical medicine. There's godly psychiatrists. There's amazing people who've created great drugs that help us. But, but, I believe that sometimes there is something very definitely demonic happening and we shroud it and we push it aside with visits to psychiatry and with medicines into people's lives without stopping long enough to say, actually, we need to pray for the demonic work to leave and this person is set free. But they are held captive for 10, 20, 30, 40 years with something that, that, that Satan is doing in their hearts and we never bother to pray that God leaves it and we just pump it with medicine and with visits to psychiatrists. 
It's my theory. It could be wrong. I could be off the wall. So it's just a theory. But I do want to say that I don't think the demonic is any less active in the world in which we live. And as I said, I believe in doctors. I think they're great. I believe in medicine. I think it's great. I just don't want us to use those and to never look to go, is there actually something supernatural happening that Jesus wants to break in? Last one. Is there a set instruction book and strategy I can follow in order for the supernatural to happen in my life? Is there a set thing, Craig? Can I tick the boxes and it happens? No. <laughs> there is no set mechanism. And the people that I've prayed for who've been healed and not, it's happened in many different ways. It's happened when I haven't said anything at all. It's happened when I have. It's happened when, when I've been prayed for and things have happened. There's no set mechanism for praying for healing or receiving healing. Jesus healed friends. He healed strangers. He healed those who didn't ask, who asked him and those who didn't. He healed, he healed those who had faith and those who had no faith. He spoke sometimes, he touched people other times, he told some people to take action. It was always different. And so the key is, is that we listen to what he's saying, and then we act in obedience to what he asks of us when we step out in this. Okay, those are a few questions and answers. Last few. God's kingdom is deeply personal. Do you notice the love and care that Jesus has for people? It was and is his compassion for the hurting that leads him to exercise the supernatural. It's not necessarily based on the size of the problem either or how close we are to him or not. Verse 31, Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever and immediately they told him about her and he came and took her by the hand, lifted her up and the fever left her. Now we don't know how bad this fever was. We don't know if she was going to on her track to deathbed or maybe it was just a terrible migraine type thing. So it was a fever, but we don't know those sorts of things. People got horrible flu bugs then. People would have had those issues. Jesus cared and he healed. Friends, the Lord cares about the small details of our lives. The headache, when you kick your toe and it's seriously sore. A test that you're trying to study for and you're struggling to understand. A business meeting that's coming up and you're scared about how the outcome is going to be. He cares about the small details of our lives and he acts supernaturally in those. The whole city was gathered together at the door and he healed many, this is verse 33, who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. When others may not have time for you, Jesus does. When he's tired from a long day of ministry, he's there for you and he always has time. So if you feel isolated or you feel, does God really care about my situation? There were people crowded outside that door desperate to get in and Jesus had time for them. He has time for you. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and he touched him. This is the man with leprosy, verse 41. He said to him, I will, I'm willing, I will be clean. When society has rejected you, this person was rejected because leprosy was unclean in the day and you were isolated. But when you feel like society has rejected you, maybe because of something that you've done wrong in the past, maybe because of a problem that you have in your body, I'm not sure what it is, but if you feel society has rejected you, there is one who will never reject you. In fact, in your rejection, he draws closer. In when you feel I'm, I'm too filthy or, or I'm too dirty for God. No, actually, he draws closer in that moment to you than ever before. In our uh, Hope Leadership Academy, we're going through a great book called Jesus the Gentle and Lowly. We'll get some, uh, some out for sale. But I would say it's one of the, the greatest books that gets across Jesus' heart towards us. I know I've shared this a few times. You'll be able to buy it. But he absolutely loves it says, verse 11, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. 
This man, this is uh, 2 verse 11, and he rose and immediately picked up his bed. He went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we have never seen anything like this. We pray for all forms of healing. Nothing is too big for God. What you may feel is a stretch too far. That's a little bit impossible in our day and age. Jesus loves to make possible. He loves to make possible. So when you see somebody who can't walk, God puts on your heart to pray for them. Go for it. When you see somebody blind, obviously ask them first, can I pray for you? See somebody blind and God puts it on your heart to pray for them. Go for it. Nothing is impossible with God. I don't think he's changed. He says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has not changed from how he operated here. And so we can step out into this. Quick side note on this. Do you notice that it was the paralytic's friends who carried him to Jesus, who got him through the roof, who got him close to Jesus? And sometimes in the midst of the most debilitating sickness or trauma, it's our friends who carry us in a sense, who are praying and who carry us to the feet of Jesus. Maybe you're here and you've got a friend who's going through something really difficult. God wants you to be like that paralytic's friends who continue withdrawing and pushing that paralytic person to the feet of Jesus. We need to support and help our friends when they're struggling to help themselves. God's kingdom advances with relationship. Just two more. 1 verse 35, rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place and there he prayed. If you're eager to see more of the supernatural of God at work in your life, in and through you, you don't need more courses, you don't need more download from God, you don't need someone else to pray for you, you need him. That's what you need. If you want God to work more through you, you need him. You don't need extra knowledge, academic knowledge, more degrees. You need him. You don't need more faith even. You need him. The source of supernatural power is time alone in God's presence. Jesus never wanted the spotlight. He didn't want a million followers on Instagram. There were no green rooms or private jets. He didn't have big TV channels uh, to get himself out there. He wanted to be close to the Father. And so when the crowds were there, when he had every opportunity to be famous, where was he? Retreating to desolate places to spend time with his father and retreating so far that his friends had to search for him and couldn't find him. He wanted to be alone. In this day and age, I think that's the equivalent of switching off our phone, leaving it in a different room, making sure that there's no distractions, getting alone with the father. He went early in the morning to a place he wouldn't be disturbed and for long enough that people came looking for him. I need to work on that. It's not often that Sarah and the girls come searching for me because I've been talking to Jesus for so long. He spent time with the Father. The miraculous work he did was the result of walking in step with the Father. And it's the same for us. Make that part of your day. Make walking with Christ, listening for his voice, time with him, priority. The last thing flows into it. What's the greatest priority of the kingdom when it comes to the supernatural? 1 verse 37 says, they found him in a desert place. They said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came. He came to bring something more than healing. And then it says, um, chapter 2 verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Goes on in verse 10 to say, but, they, but that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. Jesus came first and foremost to seek and to save the lost. 
He came to pay the price for our sin on the cross. The supernatural work that he did on earth and that he does today is to provide evidence for his authority to forgive our sins. Notice what he did with the paralytic. Your, your sins are forgiven. We think it should be the other way around. Let's pray for healing. No, he went for spiritual change on the inside before he went for external. That's what he cares about more than anything else. It's an overflow of his love and compassion to see people turn to him that they may find forgiveness and eternal life. That is his ultimate priority for you and for me. Jesus knew that physical or mental healing was also not an indicator that somebody would follow him. How do we know that? Where were all of the hundreds, if not thousands of healed people when the crowd was shouting for Barabbas to be set free instead of Jesus? Where were the thousands of people radically healed when Jesus was on the road to be crucified? Nowhere. Why? Because getting healed physically doesn't mean that we follow Jesus from our heart. It demonstrates the kingdom and it can point people to Jesus. But does it make us follow Jesus? Not necessarily. And Jesus knew that as well. It's why he came to see our hearts changed before anything else. But why did Jesus bring healing? Because it showed he was God. It showed he had authority to set people free from their sins. So physical healing doesn't ensure spiritual transformation. It doesn't necessarily even make believers follow Jesus more. I've seen many people healed radically not following Jesus today or pretty stagnant today. Doesn't do it, but it does demonstrate the kingdom. Not everyone will be healed in this lifetime. We'll all ultimately die, which means our bodies are not permanently healed of frailty anyway. But all Christ followers will be physically healed in the next life. Guarantee. It's going to happen for every single Christ follower in the next life. The greatest supernatural work is a work of heart transformation. That's far greater and more important than physical healing. You see, as Christ follows, we will have perfect bodies for all eternity. It's a definite, something we can look forward to and we can celebrate. The only guaranteed healing that Jesus affirms in Scripture, the only one, the only guaranteed healing that's affirmed in Scripture that all the writers affirm is being saved by Jesus. That is the 100% certainty. If you come to Jesus today, if you don't know him, and if you come to him today, 100% certain he will save you today. 100% certain. And heaven will be home for you. That's the guarantee we all have. As I close, I trust this has sort of built a little bit of a safe framework for us to really dive into a lot more practicals next week for you to be expectant for what God might do, but also just to give us a healthy context to his life and ministry. And we're going to pray in a short bit. Maybe this has scared you a bit. Maybe some of you, depending on your church context you're used to, Maybe this has been a little bit scary to go, but, but, but I've always heard that this doesn't happen today. Does it really happen today? Maybe this has made you feel excited, like you want to step in to what God has. Maybe for some of you are going, well, this is all new. I've never heard anything before. Great. There's lots more to learn. But be expectant. Pursue Jesus this week. Live on the line where light meets darkness. Step out in faith, and his kingdom will continue to advance through you. Should we stand and pray? A few minutes over. Just as we close, I shared about Jesus' greatest priority. The reason why in Mark, he kept saying, I heal people, but I'm withdrawing. I need to actually share the gospel. The reason why he said to that uh, man, uh, the paralytic, he said, your sons are forgiven, your sins are forgiven first. 
the reason why he said those things is because he came to seek and to save the lost. I just wonder if there's anyone here today, and uh, I'd love you to be bold and, and raise your hand. I'm not going to get you to come to the front or anything, but if you're sitting here and you're going, oh my goodness, for the first time I've realized that Jesus is king, I've realized that he came to save me from my sin, and I've realized that I need him. I believe this makes sense. Suddenly my heart, it makes sense. If that's you, it doesn't matter if you're here for the first time or if you've been here a long time. If you've never given your heart to Christ, if you've never said, Lord Jesus, would you change me from the inside out? Would you forgive me of the brokenness in my heart, of my sin? I'd love you to pop up your hand. I'd love you to pop up your hand. It'll be a courageous thing, even though no one's looking around. It's a courageous thing between you and God. It's an action in your body to say, yes, God, that's me. That's me. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a stand with my hand. To say, I want, to, I want you to change me from the inside out. If that's you, I'd love you to raise your hand. Nobody's looking around. Guys, heads are, heads are bowed. But if that's you, there's one hand. Thank you for your bravery over there. Is anybody else? And you're sitting going, that's me. I've never given my heart to Jesus, but I want to. Anyone else? Anybody else? Anyone here? I'm, I'm still going to celebrate in a great way. So exciting. Okay, let me pray quickly for that one brave lady. Well done. Uh, you know, Jesus has already changed your heart. You, you're raising up your hand like that. Um, but uh, I, I just want to pray right now, Lord, for, for that, um, that lady with just such courage and su- such boldness. You're right now in your heart, and maybe some of you are too scared to raise your hands. Right now in your heart, you can say, Lord Jesus, I believe. Lord Jesus, would you come in? Would you forgive me of my sin? Would you change me from the inside out? Would you make me new? I believe you died and rose again for me. And in that moment, for you right now, you become a daughter of God. Your eternal destiny has changed. Heaven is home for you now. And there's just such opportunity and excitement for you to grow. So if any of you didn't put up your hands as well, but you've, you, you've, you've done that, you've done that in your heart. Right now, you're a son and daughter of God. So incredibly exciting. So exciting. Lord Jesus, for the rest of us, just before we head out, I pray that we would be a people who believe that you are a supernatural God. We may not always understand everything. Things may not always turn out as we expect. But Father, may we be a people who tell people of the hope that we believe in, of the great king, of the supernatural king, that we would be a people who there is a a physical demonstration of your kingdom on earth, not so that we would look good, not so that you're a genie in a bottle, so that people might see you and see your authority to forgive sins and come to faith. So we're excited, we're expectant. Please keep speaking to us today, the rest of today, next week as well. Your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for being with us. Um, if you're brave and, uh, and, and said that to the Lord for the first time, you can fill in a card and we can get in touch with you or talk to a leader afterwards. Otherwise, meet somebody that you don't know. There's opportunity to serve and join connect groups as well if you aren't part of one. Otherwise, we can't wait to see you next week. Thanks so much.